One Panther Podcast. John Ellis. Howdy, folks. John Ellis, One Panther Podcast. Look, thrilled to be joined today by one of the best in the business, senior NFL draft analyst for the Draft Network, Trevor Sikama. We are stoked to talk about all things Panthers, NFC South. Trevor, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, John. You know, I, like I said, it's 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 been a long time coming doing this podcast with you. So uh, it's it's finally good to connect. It's good to be on the show. It is fantastic. What an off season for Carolina, and you're in the middle of it now. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we got to start with Cam Newton because everybody's got to have a Cam Newton take around here. What are your thoughts on what Carolina? And I don't want to get into the you know, the back and forth between the organization and Cam, all that drama. You know, from a football perspective, what was your feeling on that move in particular? moving on from Cam Newton and, you know, then moving on with Teddy Bridgewater. How do you size those moves up to Carolina? Well, I want to say that Cam's one of the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen, right? I mean, just like from a talent standpoint, it's hard to comprehend the ceiling that this guy has from with his arms and his legs and his vision and his mind, what he's able to do, how natural it is for him. I mean, it just Cam Newton makes it look so easy sometimes in ways that a lot of other people can't obviously he's getting up there in age he's 30 years age now uh so he's on the opposite side of 30 but we know that quarterbacks can play well into their 30s as long as they're healthy that's a big thing right. with cam newton right i mean we we've talked about some lower body injuries that that he sustained and then obviously the shoulder injury as well that's the big one and that's why he's still kind of sitting here unsigned i got to think because with teams not having their facilities open, they can't get their doctors to them. They can't exactly look at them the way that they want to. That's probably why they're just being cautious about signing them. Now, it wouldn't do Cam Newton any good to sign right now. He's going to wait until training camp rolls around. We hope there's a training camp. You know, and unfortunately, it's just the reality that quarterbacks are probably going to get hurt. You know, situations are going to be what they are. And then a team's going to be able to bring him in. And I think he's either going to compete for a starting job or, um, or just fortify a quarterback room in that regard. He might do kind of what Jameis Winston did where he signs a one-year deal, becomes a free agent next year and is able to capitalize on that market. That might behoove him uh, more than just trying to get the most out of his money that he can right now. In terms of Carolina, I think I thought it was the right move to move on from him only because every other direction that they are pointing was to a total rebuild. You can't just get rid of literally everyone in the old regime and then just still keep the quarterback who's a 30-year-old aging with injury problems. I mean, like, that just doesn't make any sense. If you're going to wipe the slate clean, you got to wipe it clean. And if you're making a quarterback an offensive change, a defensive change in the coaching staff the way that Carolina did, it makes sense why Cam Newton is gone. Now, I mean, you could argue whether or not it was premature in them firing Ron Rivera, uh, whether it was premature in them just getting rid of the regime altogether, but that's kind of the way that I see it from the moves that they made and making that total turning of the page. It makes sense why Cam's gone, even though I still think he's got something left in the tank as long as that shoulder checks out. Yeah, that's something we've talked about with our readers. Again, Trevor Sikama from the Draft Network joining us here on the One Panther podcast. That's frustrating because you've watched this guy develop and carry the team on the back. And there were so many emotions from the fan base as to why this happened and, and you know, why couldn't he you know, extend his career in Carolina. But you know, the, the point we tried to make to, to fans when this went down, there was never a commitment from Matt Rule 100 percent as as far as the starting position with Cam Newton goes. He always stopped short of naming the starter. And you know what? You know, as well as I do, sometimes a new coach just wants his guy. Right. And, you know, Cam right. Newton has done so many great things in this league and for that franchise. And he's, you know, a pillar in the community. But when it comes right down to it, they clearly, to me, weren't comfortable with that. You know, what is the health, whether it's the, 
the stylistic yeah. part of the game. So that's I totally agree with that side of it from your end. I do think he's got an opportunity to extend into his 30s, but you know, hopefully he'll get you know signed somewhere. Teddy Bridgewater, t- t- mm. talk to me about that a little bit. When I look at Teddy on tape, and I you know trust your tape analysis a lot more than mine, but when I look at it, uh, you know nothing jumps out. But obviously, you know he's comfortable in Brady's system, I would think, because Brady worked with him in New Orleans, and there's a comfort level there. Uh, talk to me about what you see with Bridgewater, and does he have an, uh, an opportunity in your mind to be a long-term solution for Carolina? Yeah, I think that, you know, when when you go to some draft talk and you were like, okay, what's Carolina going to do at number seven overall? Some people thought about a quarterback. Then obviously they brought in Bridgewater. uh, So I don't think that that's going to happen anymore. But then they thought, okay, here's what's going to happen with Carolina. They're going to take that number seven overall pick. They're going to trade back. They're going to get picks next year. They're going to get ammunition and they're going to go after their franchise quarterback next season. And I have a point to saying all this. I promise I do. That was all built around the fact that Carolina would have a high pick. And now I think Teddy Bridgewater can win them games. And Teddy Bridgewater might win them too many games, depending (laughs) on how you might be looking at things. You know, if you're a purist Panther fan, then they're probably just looking for wins. They're never going to turn those down. But if you're Mm -hmm. a, hey, let's look for the next dynasty, Teddy Bridgewater might win you too many games. Because as we saw last year in New Orleans, If you put the right system around this guy, he can operate it, right? I mean, Bridgewater was my QB one coming out when he was when he was coming into the NFL. I loved Bridgewater. I thought he I thought he had such a great demeanor. I thought he was so poised in the pocket. I thought the arm strength was over. The questions of the arm strength was overblown. I really thought he could manage a pocket. I was super excited about him coming into the NFL. He looked a little bit more limited than I thought that he was going to be during his first stint with Minnesota. And then he has obviously the gruesome leg injury that forces his career to really take a turn. He gets in New Orleans and he shows everybody that, look, he might be he might not be this super high ceiling franchise quarterback that we maybe thought that he was coming out of Louisville. But you put the right guys around him and you may you allow him to make smart decisions, get the ball into the hands of playmakers. You can make something happen, right? And mm-hmm. he's surrounded by a team that's got DJ Moore, that's got Christian McCaffrey, that's got young guys, young playmakers that are coming up behind and around them as well. And so I think there's really a chance for Bridgewater to put something together here. And so with Bridgewater at the helm, I'm not expecting a playoff run or anything, but I think that they're going to be respectable. I really do think that they're going to have a handful of wins that some people didn't think that they would get. And I think that Bridgewater is going to orchestrate that. Yeah, I've told folks, too. I, one thing I do know is this team's past. I've followed them for 25 years. And I think back to 2002, and again, we're going a long way back here. John Fox's first year, a 1-15 team he took over. They win seven games. They start 3-0. and And nobody had that, you know, anywhere in the realm of possibility. And then they're in the Super Bowl 24 months later. So I you know, try to remind folks here that are a little bit downtrodden. You know, things do turn quickly in the NFL. And Bridgewater, to me, you know, when they made that signing, Trevor, I'm kind of like you. I'm thinking, okay, it's kind of like a half a tank. You know, it's like, hey, we're right. kind of one day. We're going to tank a little bit, but, you know. We want to be respectable, and and I think you know, at this point maybe they're not thinking about draft position. They they do want to compete, and hey, Matt Rule first year, you got to set a tempo. So hopefully they can get some quality wins. It's for Joe Brady. You know, you I'm sure watched a, a mountain of film on LSU mm-hmm. and are familiar with you know the five man protections and some of the concepts they run there. Talk about what a Joe Brady you know offense looks like on the NFL level does it does it look like last year's in terms of the schematics that does he maybe bar some of sean payton's concepts with you know the 21 22 personnel stuff uh you know you know sean loves to run the ball and loves yeah. the screen game how do you see a joe brady offense working uh, with this personnel 
Well, it's hard to say exactly because, you know, this is going to be Joe Brady's first time calling plays in a while. And, you know, I, I was reading up on the relationship between him and uh, Steve Ensminger, the uh, the offensive coordinator at LSU, and kind of went what went on on game days. And I'll say this, even though Joe Brady wasn't the one calling the plays, the encouraging part about him moving forward is uh, Steve said in an interview that Joe Brady was on the phone with Joe Burrow after every series. Like he was the one on the phone with Joe Burrow. They were talking about what they both saw. He was talking about what he saw from the booth. Burrow was talking about what he saw from the field. And they had a great relationship together. And I think that that's really, really important. And that's a great cornerstone to build off of because whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or somebody that they're going to draft eventually – Brady being able to connect and also see the game through a quarterback's eyes, I think is really important. So as a play caller, is he going to be great his first year? No, probably not, because you've never experienced that live bullet action, right? I mean, right. your your heart's racing. You're wondering what play you're going to call, all that kind of stuff. It's going right. to be a little bit of a learning. We saw that with Cliff Kingsbury last year, right? I mean, Cliff exactly, Kingsbury right. had a couple of chances where he said, hey, Kyler, that's on me. I called the wrong play, right? So. Right. That's going to be the same thing that exists with Joe Brady in his first year, too. But it was encouraging to listen to everybody around him, even though Joe Brady is young. People said, hey, look, this guy, this kid's got the mind for the game. Like he understands right. it really well. His ceiling of a football IQ is very high. And so Brady right now, you've got to understand it like this. He's an investment. You can't judge him fully off of what he's like this next year, maybe not even what he's like the year after. This Joe Brady signing has to be more of a year three, year four, getting some, getting his feet wet, understanding what the game is like and getting uh, to really feel what it's like to play NFL quarterback with these kinds of guys. Because you mentioned there. Hey, he likes to go empty, right? I mean, he like right, he likes right. to spread it out. He likes to give all kinds of mismatches all over the field, whether it is giving certain players two-way goes in the slot, whether it is creating running back mismatches out of the backfield, things like that. Joe Brady orchestrated that game plan along with the rest of LSU staff, and so he understands that that works really well. The NFL, man— Pass rushers are a lot better, and it's really <laughs> hard to go empty and, you know, to go that wide so many times a game. And so when I say that, that's why it's tough to tell because Brady and Ensminger from LSU, they had their tendencies in college, but it does turn into a different game once you get into the pros. And unfortunately for Brady, his head coach is also in the NFL for the first time, so there's not a lot of experience there. I mean, Phil Snow's got some experience, but um, it's just going to be tough. It's going to be a learning year for him, and I think that we're going to figure it out real quick. Yeah, to to your point there, you know, this is Snow's first uh, run at NFL play calling. You know, he spent some time with Detroit. Uh, as a position coach, I believe. But, uh, you know, this is part of what we discussed also with some of our listeners and our our folks on Twitter. You know, you've got to be patient with this because (laughs) Snow's a veteran coach. But then again, the NFL game is a lot different, as you said. And there's a learning curve even for Snow at this point. And turning to that page, it's an all-defensive draft, Trevor, as you saw. And Phil Snow's got some pieces to work with here. You know, clearly we've talked about Derek Brown at nauseam here. He's He's a hell of a force inside a good run stopper, and he's got some pass rush moves he's got to hone in on, but definitely has some really, really great upside. And, you know, there's a lot of debate of whether or not that was a good pick there. Should they move back? But time will tell. But other than and Derek, what, what guy or two stands out to you as a guy that can come in and maybe contribute your one and, and at a high level? 
Well, I'll say first overall, I mean, this stays on theme with the total turning of the page and what Carolina is doing, right? Because they have a super young and very intriguing defense now that they're going to deal with. Derek Brown's probably going to get slotted in right away. He gets to uh, be right next to Short in the middle. They already have a stud in Brian Burns that I have no idea how the hell they got him where they did in last year's draft. (laughs) Now they've got a guy who's very versatile in year gross Matos as well. They have the linebacker group that I think they're trying to shore up. Jeremy Chin's going to help out that. And that's probably the one that I'm most intrigued about is Jeremy Chin. And I'm sure that that's an easy answer because you'll wonder where you're playing him. Is he a true strong safety? Are you going to play him in coverage? How much man coverage roles are, is he going to have? Do you play him near the box? There's all kinds of stuff of what you can do here, but I think that Phil Snow has got a creative mind for it. And I think that coming from college and being a DC in college is actually going to help in this regard, because when you're in college, you can experiment with different things and you can get away with it a little bit you could see what might work where in the nfl if you do something too off script you're probably just getting burned from it so right, it's really exactly. hard to really experiment in the nfl whereas college it's a little bit better you can get the creative juices flowing and figure it out where to play guys and how to manipulate spacing in that regard chin's a big chess piece for that so i think that they're going to be able to get creative with him. I think it's going to be interesting to see where he lines up in training camp. You know, Hopefully they have a training camp uh, in the right. preseason as well. They'll probably have him in a couple of different spots. And another guy I really liked, it was Troy Pride Jr. Uh, I went into Mobile, Alabama, and I was looking at the corners, and I was looking at some guys. I didn't really even think about Troy Pride Jr., and he ended up being the best of the bunch. He was locking dudes down at the boundary in the slot, whether they were big or small or whatever their skill set was. Troy Pride Jr. was really hanging with a lot of these guys for a team that just lost James Bradbury. They're going to need somebody to step up somewhere, whether it is first man in or in a starting role. And I think that Troy pride jr. Could have a big, uh, big say in that. Yeah. Troy's right down the road from us in Greer here. And, you know, he played Greer high school, hell of a kid, great story. And, you know, I'm pulling for the guy on a personal level, but you're right. This senior bowl performance was, was impressive. And when his name popped up on Carolina's board, there in the draft, my eyes opened. I said, you know, this is a guy that can come in and, and maybe, you know, have a shot at that other role there uh, starting opposite Jackson. But uh, your point about Snow is interesting there. I will keep an eye on that. You know, the ability to tinker in college and do different things. That's a different perspective. And that's why we have Trevor on today. Uh, one more question <laughs> for you, but Trevor Sikama, the Draft Network, the new Charlotte resident. Welcome to the Carolinas. Let's talk about the NFC South. That's your bread and butter. You've covered Tampa for a long time. Yeah. Uh, obviously, <laughs> your you're left, right is Tom Brady come swooping in and uh you know man what a what a division huh you got Drew Brees and Tom Brady both on the uh, the other half of 40 and uh obviously Atlanta's doing some things there they get Keanu Neal back they've got Mm -hmm. uh, Todd Gurley in the mix here I still think that's a very scary team and formidable because Dan Quinn really held that thing together uh other than Carolina who we I think all agree might be fourth place coming into that fold how do you see this division looking overall uh obviously no training camp maybe But uh, if all things are equal here, how do you see that shaping up? I still think it's the Saints division. Uh, I still think they are the favorites to win it, although this is getting a lot more fun, right? I mean, you remember the days of when the NFC South was not only one of the most feared divisions in the NFL, but also it seemed like the winner of the South was rotating every year. Like it was a different team that was taking the title. And so I think we're getting closer and closer towards that being the case again. I think that New Orleans is the top team. Anytime it's Sean Payton and Drew Brees, I think Drew Brees has got one more good Super Bowl run left. 
left in him, and I think this is the year to do it. And so they re-fortify that offensive line, especially plugging Cesar Ruiz right in there in the first round. And well, they've got nasty. the talent where they need it. Right, right. Yeah. And so the defense is still fierce. It's their division still. And the Bucks are a close second, but it's just hard to predict, right? I think that right. Brady being infused into an offense that has weapons like Mike Evans, like Chris Godwin, like Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, even Cam Braid. I mean, that's this is the best supporting cast he's ever had. So if the offensive yeah. line stands up a little bit, if the defense gets a little better, and they were young last year, then oh, you yeah. got to think they're going to be hot on the Saints trail. Atlanta is interesting because a lot of people are writing Atlanta off, but you got to remember this. Over the last two years, the Falcons have not had the record that they have wanted to, and they've had really slow starts at the beginning of the year. But after both the bye weeks in the last two seasons, they were on fire. Like they had stretches yeah. where they looked Trust really me, good. We, they just, we know. Trevor, they, we know. <laughs> they needed. We, we they felt needed the bruising. <laughs> that bye week reset. And yeah, if Dan yeah. Quinn, who is now truly coaching for his job, can get this team to come out of the gate a little bit hotter, you could see a pretty competitive Falcons team, even though I do think that on paper they're the third best team in the division. Carolina, like I said, I think that they're at the bottom of this division, but they're going to be respectable. They're going to give a lot of teams all they can handle, I think, in a lot of weeks. I just think that they're probably going to come up short more than they're going to overcome that instance uh, for, for 2019 at least. So that's how I see it shaking up. But man, in a couple of years, if Atlanta ends up having a turnover and if Brady, you know, retains something and he stays for it on the two, three years, you're going to have some really competitive battles in the NFC South and you're going to see whoever wins this division go far in the playoffs. So it's exciting times to be following this division closely. That's the best analysis we could have asked for. Trevor Sykema, we appreciate your time today. Senior NFL analyst for the Draft Network. You find him at Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter. Hey, Trevor, anything else you want to promote real quick, buddy? No, man. I just, you know, check out the uh, check out the draftnetwork.com. And then if you're into draft talk 365 like us degenerates, you can head over to the Locked On <laughs> NFL Draft podcast as well. We're the best kind of degenerates, are we, though? <laughs> <laughs> of course. At least we entertain ourselves year round. That's you know? it, man. Hey, thanks for making time, buddy. We'll see you down the road, okay? Of course, John. Anytime, man.